Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. And I say this because Jesse Romero is with his wife. We're back home safely from the Middle East. People are still texting me. They're still calling me. How's Jesse and Anita doing? Well, they're doing <laughs> great, folks. And I'm sure Jesse will be on after his jet lag gets out of his system. Dan, right. thanks for pinch hitting again, dude. You're like you're like the uh, cleanup hitter in a ball game. And you go, who's this guy, man? You just took him onto the team. The Terry and Jesse, and you're hitting the ball out of the park. So thanks for joining. Hey, me, you know, put me in, Coach. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm also happy to sit on the bench and chew some some sunflower seeds. That's yeah. fine too. I hear you. But uh, I told Jesse, I said, "Hey, Jesse, you better listen in because we're changing the name to the Terry and Dan Show, <laughs> and we've got a whole new bumper." That's funny. You've been you take off like this, you yeah. scare everybody. That's it. We're going to replace you. Oh, I love it. That's a great thing to say to Jesse. He's got a big grin on his face. Yeah. And- yeah. No. He texted. He said, I, I, I never thought I would say this. I can't. Yeah. I am so happy yeah. to be in San Francisco right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a great line. <laughs> yeah. I never thought that would happen. Well, when you get out of the Middle East and here, you got yeah. it. Dan, today we've got something very interesting. Archbishop Chaput is offering advice to the Senate on synodality. And uh, I think it's common sense what he's uh, giving. And I thought we'll cover that. When you, when you think about this, why do I say it's important? I mean, you know, the Hong Kong bishop, who's now a cardinal, uh, Stephen Cho, uh, he's one of the big shots in the Senate. And he just said this before the opening door of the uh, Senate. He said, evangelization shouldn't have the agenda of converting people to Catholicism. I'm so sorry he said that. That's a guy that's going to be at the Senate. Well, yeah, Bishop Chaput, thank you for giving those guys some advice because they're not in their lane when they say things like that. Also, Dan and I, we've been reading Monsignor Charles Pope's uh, articles for, for many years. He's from in the Washington Diocese, Washington, D.C. Diocese. And I think it's really great because we're going to go through some of the texts of Scripture and have him talk, especially what I think Dan's expertise is. He has a very good point about uh, the existence of the devil. And this is something that we still are struggling with with the church. We still have high officials and priests saying that, you know, that the devil really is just a figment of our imagination. And and uh, Satan is cleaning up with uh, that kind of uh, attitude. It's like going to a boxing ring and saying, oh, I'm going in to knock this guy out, but uh, I don't, I mean, he's he, he can't even hit me. When in fact, he'll knock you out because you didn't think he even existed. So the problem is uh, we are going back, we need to go back to the fundamentals of the faith and I think that's what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And Dan, just for the good to know file, and I say this, Cardinal Tobin, uh, another what I would call progressive cardinal in the church, says that he hopes that the Senate will lead to a significant development in welcoming the LGBTQ people. And when he's explaining, it's all nebulous stuff like welcoming them. He doesn't say anything about conversion, nothing about that, just Come on in. No circ- you know, any circumstances, you're all welcome to come. But you see, they're not qualifying it. And then one more, one more good need-to-know file. And I've always been excited when priests and bishops stand up when it's not politically correct, like Father Joe Ilo did yesterday. Well, the Kenyan, Kenyan bishop, he condemns homosexual unions after Pope Francis promotes same-sex blessings. And this is Bishop, I hope I, I don't butcher his name, Hermonis Joya, and he says this, it is something incomprehensible that you and I were born in a family and some people with perverse ideologies 
want us to do and live contrary to what God gifted us. Well, he said it, and I, I believe that. So lots to talk about. Dan, before we, I, I should ask you, I asked Jesse, do you have any need-to-know files, anything that you want to share before we get to the gospel? Uh, no, no, let's okay. just roll with it. I, I, the only thing you need to know is that, that Jesse is back. There's yeah. been a surge in the force. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jesse Romero is back on American soil where Amen. he belongs. Amen. All right, yeah. well, we're going to read the gospel. It's a short gospel about prayer. And Dan, if you have it in front of you, it's Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. If not, I'll read it. Okay. I'll proclaim it, I should say. <laughs> God's word. Am I reading it? Uh, yes, Dan, I'm asking you to read it. I'm okay. Sorry. I thought you were looking. Well, yeah, it's chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. I thought okay. I read it yesterday. I, I, I'm an equitable guy. Can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Luke 11. Yep. He was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Mm -hmm. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those, every, as we forgive everyone in debt to us and do not subject us to the final test. And Dan, if I can just give a little commentary before you, and I'm not the exegesis guy that, you know, with the PhD like you do and others, but Monsignor Harris this morning, a Vatican diplomat, made some really good points at our Holy Mass about this reading. And he said, don't read the notes of the New American Bible. And he said, the reason is, he said, they give some modernistic ideas that, you know, uh, somehow that Matthew wasn't the first gospel and that, that what uh, this version uh, isn't really the original version and they don't mix together. And he's just saying, just don't believe any of that garbage. And he said this, he said, this is the word of God and take it. And when you look at the fathers of the church and their commentaries, not, go go there. Don't go to the modern scripture scholars of today. And Dan, uh, I'm sorry to have to say that, but um, I think we have no, to go back. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So your thoughts on this reading? Yeah, no, I, I think um, if you want a good a good Bible, the, uh, the, the Ignatius Study Bible yeah. and the Didache Bible, the footnotes are based on the Church Fathers right. and Catechism. Yes. Uh, this is more uh, uh, historical critical, and, and um, they're going to yeah. give you a lot of those things uh, that that are just maybe scholars use them to understand the text a little more deeply, but but yeah, they're going to say a lot of stuff that's like what you know. Um, one of the things that we always I always say is that uh, I was in Germany, you know, when I was teaching, and I said let me explain what modernism looks like when it comes to biblical studies, mm -hmm. and I said just fill in the blank. Jesus didn't uh, multiply the loaves; he got everyone to. And the whole room yelled out to share in German, you know. Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about, as opposed to just accepting the scripture Thanks. as its historical face, its face Amen. value, both historically and, and, and embedded with truths. Here's something on this, this particular scripture. If you notice that, that, um, um, but you notice there's something missing here. This is a, an interesting version. Yeah. So, so St. Luke, and when he gives us the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Uh -huh. uh, kingdom, no, Father, hallowed be your name. Yeah. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. It's missing something. Exactly. Luke, I think, intentionally did this. And he moves it over to Luke 22. Right. 
And uh, verse 39, when he goes to the agony in the garden, yep. then going out, he went as custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. He arrived at a place and said to them, pray that you do not undergo the test. There's a connection. Do not subject us to the final test. Right. right? So he, with the link, we've already seen John Luke is linguistically linking us yes. to that Lord's prayer. Yes. And then he says, after withdrawing about a stone's throw from them and kneeling, he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Um, from me still, not my will, but yours be done. And then he goes through and strengthened him. An angel from heaven appeared to him. He was in such agony. He prayed so fervently that sweat became like drops falling to the ground. Yep. And he rose from prayer and his diapers were sleeping from grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not undergo the test. So he creates a chiasmic structure. You'll see if you really break it down in the Greek, mm -hmm. you have five parts that parallel each other and the unparalleled part is the thing that the author wants you to read it's called a it's called a chiasm or a chiasmus mm -hmm. and the center of this literary structure is the words father if you are willing take this cup from me but not my will but yours be done but the words don't un not undergo the final test link us back to the our father and jesus is telling his disciples this is the essence yes. of prayer is complete and total conformity to will of God. And this know, is the essence of all prayer, surrendering to the will of God. And Dan, you said the same thing Father Charles Murr said at 6 o'clock this morning when I did a show with him. Exactly. He said, and this is how do we apply this in our own lives? Every time we pray, at the end of the prayer, thy will be done. And meaning, yeah. not my will, but thy will be done. So when we're praying for things, praying for our family, our friends, the world right now, Always end and start this as, if you haven't done this now, start this practice. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, okay. Dan. Very Great. good. Let's bring Fulton Sheen in. Southwest in California. Si Dios quiere. Oh, there right. you go. There you go. If God wills it. If you God know, wills it. This is what I would like, but si yeah. Dios quiere. That's absolutely right. Fulton, Latin. If, if God wills. This is God what wills. I want. Make your petitions known to God. But be perfect. God does. I'll be clear. Let me t explain something from my own experience. Yeah. God does not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> well, we talked about God the difference. Terrorists. Yeah, that's cute. Prayer is a surrender to the will of the Father because He wants it. Yeah. Well, for I'm our, for I'm, our holiness, our sanctification, and salvation. Absolutely. I'm half Lebanese, and my grandma from Lebanon would say always, "God, God's will be done. God's will be done." And uh, so I grew up hearing that, and it did help. We're going to get Bishop Sheen on the other side of the break. I want to uh, say thanks for Dan for joining us. Jesse Romero will be back soon. He's in America from the Middle East with his lovely wife, Anita. So thank you for your prayers for those petitions. People had novenas going. I know Bishop Strickland was pay praying for Jess and Anita and all of us. So stay with us. I'd like to say I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Dan Snyder, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires, brother. <laughs> Stay with us. We've got full sheen ahead coming up next yeah. on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin, most powerful radio, and much, much more. We're going to comment on what's going on in the Middle East when we come right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder sitting in for us. Dan, before I read the Bishop Sheen quote, I get questions quite a bit with people calling me and saying, look, do you have a psychiatrist that I could uh, refer? I, I need to, 
a referral because I have some issues that I, I know the priests have told me that this isn't a situation where you need to have a, a good psychiatrist. And I always tell them the first requirement you need to ask that prospective doctor is, does he believe in original sin? If he doesn't believe in original sin, then uh, don't, don't hire him. Go, go see someone else. So if anybody's listening, I do have a good reference of many doctors that you can see who actually are centered on Christ. They're um, like, well, Dr. Sandoval, who does a show for us, he's a good doctor. He could refer you to some. So I, I say this because when I bring Bishop Sheen in, you'll see why. So let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop. Oh, Sheen ahead. And by the way, before I got on the air, uh, Spirit Daily or Spirit Radio just called me. They love that uh, full sheen ahead, and they're doing a fundraiser out in Illinois. And I guess I'm going on the next two days to help them raise some money for their ministry. Here's the bottom line, Dan and everybody. we got to help keep Catholic Radio strong because our waves, we need to reach people with the gospel. So here's what Bishop Sheen said. Most of us do not like to look inside ourselves for the same reason. We don't do not like to open a letter that has bad news. What does he yeah. mean by that? The bad news is, and what uh, bad news and good news. We're all sinners. That's the bad news. Good news, we can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ by un, by coming and tending, giving our lives over to Christ. That's the equation that Sheen is talking about. But here's the bottom line, Dan, and you, you're welcome to chat in on this in our conversation. The bottom line is, I don't think even in the church we have a good grasp of original sin that I think, like Bishop Sheen used to say, that many people think we're immaculately conceived, that we have no need for a Savior. And, I might add, if we do, he already we have a false understanding of Christ's atonement on the cross that uh, he, brings, he opens the gates of heaven without us participating, without us, re, without us repenting. That's a problem I see in the church today. Your thoughts, Dan? No, I, I'm working on a, uh, we got a contract with Tan to write a Good. book on the Blessed Mother. Good. And it's going to be on the Blessed Mother, a title that Pius X gave her, St. Pius X, mm-hmm. Exterminatrix of All Heresy, mm-hmm. and, um, or Conqueress of All Heresies. And so she, so he mentions several marks of yep. the plague of modernism. Now, modernism, he, he says in another document, is the summation of all heresies. That's right. But in this particular document, he, he lines out and he says, these are the marks of, and this is on the 50th anniversary of, the, of the, the finding of the Immaculate Conception, the dogma. He said these are the marks, and one of the marks of the plague of modernism is the rejection of original sin and its consequences. Uh, there it one is. The, so, so there it is. So you, you could tell a modernist, a modernist yeah. teacher, a modernist preacher, a modernist theologian, yeah. by uh, the, one of those is by the denial yeah. of the reality of original sin and the denial of the of uh, the 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 um the re- the value the redemptive value of suffering. Yeah. So this this so we want to run to to cease to cease suffering. We run we we run away from suffering. Yes. Right. And this kind of you know what's the first principle of the Buddha? Right. Uh, life is suffering, so you transcend it by altering your states in various ways. That prayer 
and, and the Buddhist and centering prayer, these other things help you to escape and avoid the cross, avoid suffering. No, Christianity embraces the cross. If you wish to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. But accept, number one, that we live in a fallen world. We live in a, with a fallen, a fallen human nature, restored through baptism, but the effects of the fall still remain in us. And we have to militate that against that with the body. Don, Dan, if I can add another third leg to the tripod, and you correct okay. me if I'm wrong, right on the air, because you know what? I have no problem because I just was thinking, I thought, you know, the third peg of that modernism is loss of the supernatural. Rejection of the supernatural, exactly. And another one, again, Jesus didn't multiply the loaves. He got everybody to share. That's modernist. This is what many of our priests learn in seminary. And another one, Terry, is the rejection of authority. Oh, there you go. Both civil and ecclesial authority. There you go. We're, we're above it. And even those within the church that reject the authority of the of those who have gone of, of, of who've gone before us and, and died and shed their blood evangelizing. Yes. Died and shed their blood yes. to bring dogmas yes. that in the deposit of faith. Right? Wow. That's, that's rejecting their authority as well as part of the modernist. Well, it seems like it's alive and well. Now on our website, we did We've had, since the inception of, of, of Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the 1907 document It's uh, by the Holy Father. It's not very long. You can still read it. It's on our website. And you're going to say, wow, this is a, a description of what's going on in the church today. All right. Dan, I, before we go into Archbishop Chaput's article uh, in the Senate, I, wanna, I know that for those who don't know, you have a military background. I think you're an, uh, a pilot for a helicopter pilot. And... Um, reason I'm asking you this is Pope Francis just uh, came out and urges Hamas to free the hostages that they took when they attacked Israel. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Father said something that I was glad to see because I think it's true that Israel has a right to self-defense. Somebody attacks their country by air, by ground, they can respond in a proportionate measure to defend the innocent. And um, I want to just get your take. I know that there's missiles coming in from now, Lebanon, uh, it looks like this whole situation could explode to uh, other countries, and uh, it's very delicate. I know that we should be praying for the innocent people that are going to be uh, devastated through this. I, I call it a war because uh, that's what we call a war when people attack other countries. Uh, that's a, in my definition of a war. Am I off on something? I, I, I think you're right. I think by definition of war is is a hostile, aggressive uh, militaristic behavior of one country upon another. And I think this is beyond war, uh, what's happening over there. This is barbarism. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's completely subhuman. Yes. Uh, and I was over there. I mean, I was in Iraq, and I saw uh, what what certain elements uh, over there are capable of. And we read the news. It's startling. It it's is. shocking to hear. The, the, they, they're, they're doing things to other humans that an animal wouldn't do to another animal. And so, so it's encouraging that the Holy Father has accepted the tradition. Of, of, at first, there was some hesitancy. You know, and war, everybody loses. You know, I get it. Um, but the church, going all the way back to St. Augustine, has a tradition of the just war theory. And you can see it summarized from Catechism 2309, That's right. uh, 2310. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a set of rules or conventions derived from Augustine that aim to explain uh, uh, why and to what extent armed conflict is uh, permissible. But then in summary, there has to be a just cause, you know, uh, invading a peaceful party uh, uh, and, and raping 
uh, uh, killing, ripping babies out of pregnant women Terrible. and saving children. I think that's a just cause. Yeah, and if anything is that, that has if there's ever was a just cause, yeah. this is a just cause. Right. Being a last resort, it's not like you're going to negotiate. I mean, I you know, uh, P- President Reagan. Uh, remember, he said you cannot negotiate with terrorists. We will not negotiate because they cannot. There's no negotiating with them. Um, it must be declared by a proper authority, right? Uh, must possess the right intention, right. right? The state has an obligation to defend its citizens. Right. They owe the citizenry protection, and it must be with the right intention to protect, having a reasonable chance of success and the end proportional to the means used. So far, everything, if you look at that definition from the catechism, all there. it's all right there, and, and uh, no church official should at all hesitate to support Israel defending their their borders and and getting back the the, the citizens that were taken enslaved yes yeah. slaves and otherwise and they, and uh, Don I'm sorry Dan one of the things that I know I read in the news that Israel's doing is they're telling the people in the Gaza Strip that they need to move out they need to get out because if you don't you will die because we are going to bomb Hamas and you need to get out of the way so kind of like what we did and. I know a lot of people listening are going to be offended by this, but it's okay. I, I don't have to agree with me on this. When we dropped the, the bomb on Japan, August 6, 1945, we sent leaflets telling the Japanese people that we're going to be bombing this place. You need to get out because you're going to die if you don't. And it seems to me that the other side would never do anything like that. In other words, um, Hamas would never tell the Israelis, hey, get out because we're going to bomb you. That's not the case. All I'm saying is that, to me, is part of the proportionate measure. Am I on to something? No, no you're, 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 you're completely in line with the Catechism 2312 and 2313. The church and human reason both assert that permanent validity of the moral law during armed conflict. Mm-hmm. The mere fact that war has regrettably broken out doesn't mean that everything becomes licit no. with warring parties. 2313, non-combatants, wounded soldiers, and prisoners must be respected and treated humanely. Yeah. This is something that 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 um, the the Hamas and these other these other militants uh, do not respect this at all. They 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 do not at all. In fact, they do the barbarism um, out of uh, just to strike fear and terror. And I think they may have they may have poked a bear on this one, and it, this may not end well for them. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's say a prayer right now for the folks there in the Middle East that we can bring about peace through uh, strength is what I think peace comes from. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray for us sinners sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, seat of wisdom, pray for for us. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Dan, now I'd like to shift gears with you. We're going to take a quick break, but um, we're going to talk about Archbishop Chaput. I've known Archbishop Chaput for about 30 years. Let me get a little background. When he became the Archbishop of Denver back in the early 90s, I was recording a Mile High Congress, and I had my young family with me, my four kids, and we're all under 10 years of age, having dinner, and he comes over to my table and introduces himself and says, so Terry, I have never met him before. When are you moving to Denver? When's St. Joseph Communications moving to Denver? I said, well, your eminence, I, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I, 
Uh, he said, well, I'm inviting you to move. I'll give you a, a facility, and you can. Um, I want you here in Denver. I said, well, let me seriously consider that. But thank you for the offer. So I have been involved with him for years, and I, I think uh, what his comments are in this article that we're going to chat when we come back from the break is really sound advice to the fathers, the, the bishops there, and the lay people and the religious that are at this summit, because he's, his, his summary is that we need to keep ourselves focused on Jesus Christ and not the world. And if I had one complaint right now in the church, Dan, that would be we've, we've got out of our lane, and meaning that centered on Jesus Christ, and we're talking too much about worldly things, even to the point of, yes, I know this plastic bottle, I'll recycle. I've got solar panels on my house. I mean, I'm all for that. But that's not my focus, is that. My focus should be on redemption and how to get people to heaven. That's the church's teaching. And the church says in the last canon of canon law, if so, it says souls are saved, that's, and that's the mission of the church. The supreme law of the church. Yeah, supreme law. And Bishop Sheen said it. If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls are not saved, nothing is saved. We come back, let's get into the Archbishop Shabu is offering advice to the Senate Fathers on Senate Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder sitting in for Jesse. Jesse's home safe from the Middle East. I want to put a little plug in for Bishop Strickland. Uh, many people have been listening to his show here for years on VMPR. And as you know, he's under investigation. Uh, we actually put a T-shirt together. You probably heard the ad. We support Bishop Strickland. We have these little badges that you wear. If you'd like to get those, just go to our website, vmpr.org, and say, yes, I do support Bishop Strickland. Uh, I want to now shift gears to Archbishop Chaput's advice to the Senate. Um, I like this first statement, Dan, I mean, if this doesn't make sense, he says, the church belongs to Jesus Christ, <laughs> not to us individual yeah, people. Yeah, I love that statement. So now he's retired from Philadelphia. He's written some brief reflections addressing the participants of the Senate. And uh, this is a good publication, First Things. He's writing for an article posted October 6th, so you can read the whole article. He responded to questions and saying, you know, what would I do? Okay. The former archbishop points out that of the 450 participants, the most difficult problems facing the church are not matters of ecclesial structure or process. They're tied intimately to Psalm 8. I love this biblical view. This guy's like, why you need to be there, Bishop Shapu? Psalm 8 and the question of who and what a human being really is. I love this, Dan. Yeah, what is man that you are mindful of him? Exactly, right? Dan. Do you oh, God, how awesome is your name through all the earth? That's you have it. set your majesty in the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, mm-hmm. you have drawn defense against awesome. your foes to silence enemy and adventure. What what I what are humans you are mindful of them? Mere mortals that you care for them. You have made them little less than a god, crowned them with honor and glory. That's awesome. he, he's pointing to the to the to the depth of our nothingness. Yes. Before God. That we would be so bold. To change the teachings of God, exactly. right? The arrogance, the hubris. Uh, I love that, it. That there, were, there are those in the church that would try to change the moral teachings of the church. Yeah. 
That's a that's that's a more blue collar direct way of saying what he's saying right here. I know it, Dan, and I love it. And and the part of mine is translated with my scholarly cap. Yeah, no, I love it. You got to bring it down to Joe Sixpack. That's yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, and so the Archbishop says, "Do humans have a created nature? Are our bodies merely disposable instruments of our appetites and will?" He warned that a synodality that would ignore these issues that might subordinate Christian faith to an ambiguous, at least being nice, social science, a paradigm shift that focuses away from the church's redemptive and supernatural mission, cannot serve her needs or her church. Amen, amen, amen to that. Yeah. Wow. Dan, Dan, one more thing he said that I thought, two things, just next two paragraphs. At a minimum, synodality must never further divide her faithful at a time of internal confusion and grave external pressures, he noted. He said this, In his reflection, the American prelate also reminds the delegates that all their work must focus on fidelity to Jesus Christ, to the church, in order of priority. And I say this because I, I know that Bishop Robert Barron is there. He's one of the delegates. And you know what he said years ago, and I wrote this down, Dan. He said, A church that's not precise about what its teachings are is a corrupt church. Yeah. I happen to agree with that. Yeah, the devil's favorite color is gray. <laughs> there you go. Ambiguity. He likes, he likes that ambiguity. He likes the amb- ambiguous language. And what what Archbishop Japu was saying, yeah. we must be precise. Yes. Must follow first fidelity to Jesus Christ. Man. Second to the church and third to the Holy Father. Yeah. The Holy Father, what does what does he he needs to listen with and, and all of our prelates need to listen to the words of St. Paul. Follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. Ooh, top of the food chain. Any of us could be led astray. We have to be faithful and approach uh, 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 the task with humility. Well, um, that's that. This is absolutely critical. I love it. He, 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 you know, he says fidelity to Jesus Christ implies obedience to the witness and world. Word fidelity to the church implies a heartfelt support for her teaching. Fidelity to the Holy Father implies speaking the truth in love to each other and to Him. And it's Ephesians chapter four, eleven to sixteen. In all of your synodal discussions, wrote Archbishop Chapu, who participated. In three of the senates and previous occasions, he said, for the Christian, he said, there can be no genuine love undergrounded in the truth of God's word as recorded in the New Testament and preserved by the church throughout time. I love, the reason I say this, Dan, is we hear too much about, um, and I call it a false um, compassion, and what is false about it? Father Bill Casey said, the most merciless thing you can do to someone is let them wallow in their sin. So if I see somebody fornicating or a whole active homosexual, in homosexuality, adultery, these serious sins, any serious sin, and I say, come on, come on over, you're welcome to come, and I don't include a call for repentance, that's false compassion. Yeah, imagine going to your heart doctor. Yeah. Because you got heart pain. Sure. And you're dying. Right. And he says to you, you gotta lose weight. You gotta go, you gotta radically change your diet. Yep. You gotta you have to we have to take you have to take these meds yeah. that will limit your lifestyle. And then I'm probably gonna have to cut your body open and do some very invasive things to you. Mm-hmm. That's not very pastoral. That's the is truth. that is that the way you're gonna accompany me, doctor? 
<laughs> right? That, that flies in the face of, of, the, of a theology of spirituality of accompaniment. No, sometimes when a sheep is sick, the sheep needs to, to, to you know, the sheep needs to have some harsh things done to it to That's bring right. health back. Yeah, because not only that sheep, sick sheep, is his own life in danger. Yep. He endangers the lives of the other sheep in the flock. So, so the shepherd has an obligation to protect the flock. And how? What is the sickness? What are you know? What are sickness? If you look at the the word in scripture, when Jesus healed the sick, yes, sometimes it's physical sick, but sometimes and oftentimes the word used implies a moral sickness. There you go. So part of the duty of the church, part of the three of um, what's called the tria munera, the threefold office of priest. Is to heal, to rule, and to 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 to, to and to and to uh, uh, to teach, to teach, to heal, sanctify, and to rule. That's and so, part of that is the office of teaching, the the, the munus uh, docende, and the and the church, the the magisterium has has been given the obligation to safeguard and to hand down in purity to each generation the the positive faith catechism. That's right. Uh, catechism eighty four. The apostles are trusted, the sacred deposit of faith, That's the right. depositum fidei, contained in scripture and tradition to the whole of the church. The magisterium is not superior to the word of God, but its servant. Exactly. That's the rule. We've lost that. That's yeah. quoted in the Second Vatican Council. Of course it is. It's right there. Yeah. We, we, that's what the yeah. magisterium to do. And I think Bishop Archbishop Chapu is reminding them of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's also reminding them uh, that the theme gathered in Rome, he says, for a senatal church, communion, participation, and mission. The Archbishop Emeritus explained that communion is not a matter of shared opinion, but shared faithfulness to truth received. I want to repeat that because I, re I believe that that's essential to this event that's going on. That communion is not a matter of shared opinion, but shared faithfulness to the truth received. In other words, there's no expiration date on truth. So we can't just come in as a group and vote like we're democratic a process and say, you know, I really think that we need to have eight sacraments now. Or, you know, the Ten Commandments. No, we're going to have 11. Or, you know what? Um, we can have adultery. Well, we're going to avoid that now and just make it, you know, okay. Uh, fornications. No, no, let's not get into all these moral questions. They're not open to discussion. That's that's the thing that I think needs to be done. And that is we need to go back to our basic roots of our faith. And Catholics, the hoi polloi, need to have this relationship with Jesus Christ that's so strong that in spite of scandal that's going on, I'm going to say the last 60 years of scandal in my life, I've seen it. Uh, if I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd be out because I'd say, yeah, I, I don't want I'm anything to have. At all. I, I'm excited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Once you accept the fact, that, oh, no, this is game on. Exactly. You know? It's a battle. Oh, I like a good fight, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're seeing, I'm seeing if I, I'm seeing if I can find it here. Yeah. What we're seeing, and you hear this word uh, over and over, and it's a deliberate word, and that's they talk about process along the process. Oh, yeah. this is, what we're seeing is process theology. Yes. Rather than a faith that is handed down in purity from Christ to the apostles, what St. Irenaeus, second century doctor of the church, called the unbending rule of faith. Perfect. This helps us to understand and discern clean doctrine from unclean doctrine, how to guide us and guide us in interpreting scripture as well as a guide to holiness, the, un, the unbending rule of faith. Other doctors of St. Chrysostom and others have also used the same phrase, but it goes back to Irenaeus. Is this consistent? with what Christ handed over to the apostles and their successors. 
But what the modernist says, we talked about modernism earlier. What the modernist says is that is that um, uh, um, is that no, that everything can change. So this is Father Hardin. I know you were friends with him. I wish I, I had known him. Oh, I love great. Father Hardin. Yep. This is his modern Catholic dictionary. Every Catholic needs this in their bookshelf. Process theology, a view of reality, including what Christianity calls God, which sees everything still in the process of becoming what it will be, but nothing really is. It is called theology because it is a form of evolutionary pantheism, which postulates a finite God, lower G, who is becoming perfect but is not infinite and all perfect in eternity. It is also called process because it claims that the universe, including God, is moving towards completion without identifying what this completion is or whether it will be reached. On this, on these terms, nothing is stable, nothing uncertain, because nothing really is. You see, words mean things. And when you hear prelates talk about the process, how we've progressed beyond these other definitions of marriage, of gender, right? All this, all this, there's, there are theological and philosophical underpinnings behind these assertions. So the assumption behind the assertions are things that have been spoken of in academic circles, seminary circles for years. Gender is a social construct. Uh, um, marriage, marriage laws are antiquated. They can be changed yeah. because we're in this process of evolution. It's evolutionary theory. This is why this is why Benedict silenced uh, uh, um, or as Ratzinger, uh, Teilhard de Chardin, yeah. um, the Jesuit, who has now been reinstated. You know, at some at some level reinstated yeah. and, and is being popularized again. Because he put forth process theology and applied evolutionary theory to theology. When we this, come, is the rap, this is the big picture behind I this. want to continue talking about pantheism and process theology because people need to know what it is and how to avoid it and how to really do the right process in the sense of coming to know Christ and his church. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, we get the new bumper here's Terry and Jesse. Well, welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder filling in for Jess Romero. We're having a good time. I hope you are, too. I feel like we're at Denny's at the restaurant, having a cup of coffee, talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dan, before I turn this back over to you about this process theology and pantheism, Bishop Strickland stated something. I'm going to do a show at 1 o'clock, just another hour or two from now, with him. Yeah, one hour uh, for his weekly show. And he said something about what's going on in the church, and I think it's very appropriate when we talk about it. He said, The body of Christ is once again experiencing an agony of his passion. And this is what he tells all of us we must do. He says, we must fall to our knees in prayers of humble reparation, atonement for the blasphemies emanating from Rome. Yeah. Pray for all who have hardened their hearts to the truth of Jesus that he died and he rose to share with us all. Now, that's very strong language for a bishop to speak, but I think he's recognizing some of the challenges that we in the church are facing when we hear such crazy uh, comments from cardinals and from high prelates in the church. And Dan, I think you're kind of uh, giving us an explanation regarding pantheism and process theology that this is where it's coming from, modernism. Right. Yeah, let me, I just, this, this is a, it's the second half of the definition for Father Hardin. Yeah. 
<clears throat> there are listen about nothing really exists. There are no determined moral laws, no absolute norms of conduct. Think about this. Yeah, this no moral laws, no no absolute norms, no certain principles of thought, and no means of knowing anything. There is no thing, since what people call things are moving functions that keep changing in their very being. Everything, including the thinking mind, is ever becoming what it was not and ceasing to be what it was. So we see there is no reality. If you if you if you understand the Protestant Reformation, part of the fallacy, the heresy that was introduced in the seminary system. Mm -hmm that Martin Luther believed was yeah. nominalism. Things are true in name only. There are no realities, there is no thing. It's a rejection yes. of, of Thomistic understanding. And here's what they, this is, this is, this is what, something that they, Chardin said, again, a Jesuit. According to my own principles, I cannot fight against Christianity. I can only work inside it by trying to transform and convert it. Wow. A revolutionary attitude would be much easier and much more pleasant but it would be suicidal. So I must go step by step tenaciously. At least he's honest. Hey, you got you to give him props for being honest. <laughs> I mean, that's brutal. This is what we're dealing with. Yes. Process theology, progressivism, incrementalism. And now we're seeing a big move by the process the theologians, which is part of modernism, yeah. which was condemned by Pius X. Yes. It's part of the modern, a part of the, a part of the modernism is a now a move based strictly on that. If you hear them, they look at you when you say, Gay marriage is wrong. Man and woman, God created in his image, right? Mm -hmm. Fearfully and, and mysteriously made. They would look at you like, well, that might have been at one time, yeah. but there are no determined moral laws, no absolute norms of conduct, no certain principles of thought, and no means of knowing anything. And, and Dan, I Everything is moving towards the omega point. Yes. Uh, that's what they're saying. And so humanity in this pantheistic way, yes. even individually, yeah. we're, we're, we're trying to we're, we're moving towards the omega point of perfection. And even in the gay movement, yeah. they see themselves as superior. They see the androgynous human as superior to the binary uh, male and female. And, you know, Dan, I have to say Father Harden nailed it in a way that is, is powerful. Any book by Father Harden you should get. Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to give a recommendation. I've been giving recommendations. Uh, this is a book called The Treasury of Catholic Wisdom. It has Thomas Aquinas. It has Fulton Sheen. It has Father Hardin is the editor. So what he did, Dan, is he took all of the fathers of the church, the best of the best, and put it in one book. And so I would encourage our listeners to pick that up. Ignatius Press sells the book. Yeah. The, yeah, this is the one I'm referring to is um, his uh, modern Catholic dictionary. Oh, yeah, I have that one, too. When I just needed to get a quick definition of this or that, boom, this is where it's at. Yeah, no, that's awesome. He, he had the brevity. He had he had he had a holy brevity that in and a precision of thinking, which is much, much lacking today among theologians. And also say is my friends who are in Rome, diplomats, and they told me that the there's people high in the church that are just keep beating on the bush of the issue of homosexual marriage and, you know, blessing homosexual unions. Uh, they were upset years ago when it got rejected, and they just keep bringing it up again and again. And I think they really believe that if they just keep persevering on this issue, that the church somehow will accept it. But here's the point, Dan. Yeah. It can't. It doesn't have the authority to change what Jesus Christ taught on marriage. This Which is, is why they don't like to hear deposit of faith. Exactly, brother. And the and the analogy of faith. Yes. The analogy of faith. The analogia fia fide. Is, is, is this consistent with what 
has been passed down through salvation history. And it's not. No. And this, this began years ago, Terry. If you look at, you, you mentioned the New American earlier. One of the footnotes in the New American Bible, and I've heard, I've had priests in my kitchen try to argue this. Yeah. I was like, really, Father? You get that holy, huh? That that Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. oh. was was Sodom and Gomorrah were struck down by God because of a lack of hospitality. Give me a break. I'm sorry. You remember hearing that? It's I've in the footnotes. It. It's in the New American footnotes. I know it is. Right? That's why I say avoid them. So so yeah so so Terry, I come to stay with you, and you won't let me stay at your house when I when I'm there, and I'm gonna say that Terry Barber, that Sodomite, <laughs> he won't share his his yeah. his guest house with yeah. me. You Sodomite, come on. <laughs> That flies in the face of the analogy of faith. Of course, of course. And again, I I only mention this New American Bible because um, when, you know, the the, um, Scott Hahn Ignatius Bible, the Navarre Bible series is good. There's so much out there that's good. So I just want to encourage our listeners to get the best when it comes to Scripture. And, and because I, the translation, be, to be clear, the translations are the same. You yeah. either go with the new, the, the, the new American translation or the NRSV. The new American uses one principle called dynamic equivalence, where they translate and they, and they translate it um, more loosely, interpreting it for you with their translation. Right. Or you have a more literal translation like the NRSV, right. which is going to be it's going to be a little choppier to read. Sure. And so you're using the RSV or the NRSV and the Didache and, and Dr. Hans uh, uh, Bible, the, the Navarre series. So you use a more literal translation. But the difference is the footnotes. And the footnotes are the patristic fathers, That's the church right. fathers, and the catech- and the saints, and the catechism. And I might add, if you're a monthly donor to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you're getting about 85 different Bible teachings by Dr. Scott Hahn uh, for free. If you give $25 a month, you get not only Dr. Hahn, you get Bishop Sheen, you get Tim Staples material. We have 30, 40 years of recordings from some of the best apologists. And I want you to consider... You know, you can go to Catholic, you can go to our catholicrc.org and purchase these downloads. But I would recommend that you just become a monthly donor by calling 877-526-2151. And therefore, you'll get all this material just linked to your email address. And you can be listening and learning, you know, uh, so much on your Catholic faith. And th- this is there's never been a time, Dan, that I could see in my lifetime where more resources are available to know the Catholic faith. I mean, when we were kids, sure, we had our Baltimore Catechism. I get it. And that was great. And that's good. But today, with the internet, all this material is there for us to reach and to read and to study. And I just want to mention one more thing. Think about time management. You're listening to us right now. Thank you. But I would actually put into a structure in your life, not only you know, you're listening to different radio shows or podcasts, but that quiet time of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. If you can't get to the church, make your little prayer room at your home and spend at least 30 minutes in silence and prayer with our Lord. And I say that because ask him this question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Rather than, Lord, uh, can you fix this problem? Can you fix that problem? And I'm just making a suggestion that you get into a regiment of discipline, getting up at the same time, saying the same prayers every morning. This is what I've been doing for decades, and, and it has worked for me, so I wanted to share that. Your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, no, I, I want to bring us back. To, we recently celebrated this week the Feast of John Henry Newman. Yes. A true saint for our age. Oh, he says, in times of crisis, the laity will save the church. In times of crisis. Now, 
that being said, we're not going to petition Rome. We're not going to use democratic principles. We're going to petition heaven. That's it. Right? But here's what he said. I want a laity, not arrogant, not rash in speech, not disputatious, wow. but men who know their religion, yes. who enter into it, yes. who know just where they stand, who know what they hold and what they do not, who know their creed so well they can give an account of it, who know so much of history that they can defend it. I want an intelligent, well-instructed laity. And so what struck me when I was there uh, uh, at the studio a few months back, sure. um, you had me you had me talk to the don't to the benefactor. I remember and I was expecting Rolls Royce's pulling up and I was expecting, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah. I wore a sport coat. There was the, there's cops and ex-cops and yep. former military guys That's and right. just working people. Yeah, that's who's supporting us. And if, in, in times of crisis, the lady will say the church and how are we going to do that? By supporting uh, this this particular apostolate, this is fantastic. We have I know there's lots of priests that listen to us. They don't say anything, but they listen to us. They get what they're getting forma some formation from us. People are getting current news from us. Yeah, and most importantly, they're getting hope from Virgin Most Powerful. So I want to encourage the readers, I mean the listeners, to really truly consider becoming a monthly donor or writing a writing a small check or big check. Yeah, what, whatever whatever you can do to keep this going and keep guys like Terry in business uh, uh so we can keep getting getting the truth well thank the crisis the lady thank you dan well instructed well formed thank you dan you're breaking up right now on your audio but i just thank you for that but i want to just say that you know i get it when i was at the conference over the weekend with father don calloway and bishop strickland there were so many people there were a thousand people when i asked how many of you listen to virgin most powerful 80 percent of the people said that we do so I know we're reaching people with the truths of the gospel, but I I I just think that um, you know any good we do comes from God. We thank Him for it, and everybody we're t a team. We're a team player here. Everybody, nobody's more important than anyone else when it comes to sharing the gospel. And you individuals who are supporting us monthly, I just have to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support, because we couldn't do it without you. And this is really an important element of evangelization and again you know I, when when i hear some cardinals say that we're not here to to bring people into the church but what the heck are you here for if you're a priest or a bishop or a cardinal we got to yeah. share the gospel so this is why we lay people are stepping up to the plate and we're saying you know what we're going to do our best to get the word out and i want to uh, also thank those people who recently made some donations because they were very instrumental in keeping us and paying our payroll, our lights on. And uh, I just can't thank people enough for the support we're getting here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Hey, I, we're over our time. I didn't realize our music, uh, we had a crash on the computer. So I'll let you go. Uh, folks, thanks again for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse okay. Show. And may God richly bless you and your family.